Hello and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond and as ever alongside me, World Cup winner, Rachel Burford. Really, really brilliant show on the way today, Berth. We have got an absolute worldie, haven't we? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to talking to our guest today. I mean, just her accolades is ridiculous at such a young age and still so much ahead of her. Yeah, she must have a huge mantelpiece. It's Sarah Hirini or Sarah Goss, as she used to be. We've also got a little bit of news to catch up on and some shout-outs as well. But uh, lockdown continues, Berth. And we must say, using that word lockdown, your lockdown squad, huge, huge success. Chapeau to you. That means well done. <laughs> I knew what that meant. All oh, right, sorry. Just, oh, your French lessons are going well then. Yes, exactly. I, I, my French has been on the back burner because of the lockdown squad. Yeah, um, an excuse. It's been so <laughs> enjoyable um, and just all the messages, support and effort. We've got through four, four weeks at all weeks of it and now it's all about doing it again going through the processes again because like I said in my one of my videos last week that you only get better by doing it repetitively so um, we're back to the drawing board this week and off we go but no I've been really really humbled by all the great response from it all not what I expected at all how long how many times did it take to do the bottle top so in one of Berth's challenges, oh, right, skills okay. challenges, well, well, in one of Berth's skills challenges, um, she passes a rugby ball um, over the side of a, a, a bottle uh, with a loose cap on it uh, and you spin the cap off without pushing the bottle over. So how many times? Be honest. I, I, I don't know the exact number of times, but I was on my own, set the camera up, press record. So every time I threw the ball, I had to obviously walk around and get the ball every time I missed. Um and it took four minutes, 55 seconds, until I got it. No. Genuinely. I couldn't believe it. That's why the, my face in the in the video is so shocked. I did not expect that. Whereas I still can't get the other one, the one where you kick it off, the one that Katie Dame McLean does too easily. You kick off the tee, and then the bottle lands on top. I can't do that one. Right, okay. But no, f- fair, fair, fair play to you. It was, uh, it was an outstanding... Uh, effort. I must, uh, yeah, what we're talking about, sort of being humbled by bits and pieces. I must just say thank you, everyone, to who supported the uh, my head shaving. I look like an aggressive tennis ball now, but uh, yes, yeah, very humbled again by uh, fans of the pod and what have you that uh, donated. Yeah, the kids did that, did that blindfolded. So yeah, thank you, everyone, for for supporting that. Over a thousand pounds to NHS charity. So uh, not a bad little haul on that one. Um, Are they now your um, future hairdressers? Uh, you don't need to go back again, do you? Yeah, I'll be I'll be growing this out and um, back to the official places. No, that they're not getting anywhere near my head with clippers <laughs> again. Um, look, Beth, why don't we uh, why don't we get Sarah on the line uh, and speak to the superstar? I'm Abby Brown, and you're listening to Women's Rugby Pod. Sarah Henney uh, used to be Sarah Goss. It is a huge, huge, warm WRP welcome to you. Thank you so much for, for joining us on the pod. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I love listening to your pod, so it's a, it's a privilege to be on. Oh, well, that's very, very kind of you. That's it. You're firmly in the friend bracket now, <laughs> friend of the pod bracket. So, uh, great. So how's, uh, how's lockdown for, for you over in New Zealand? It's all fairly sort of tense and uncertain over here now. I think people just want to want to have some clarity as to how we go forward but how's it how's it all down in New Zealand 
yeah, not too bad. The last, um, I suppose, five or the first five weeks, sorry, of lockdown were actually pretty good. Like I enjoyed being at home, um, actually spending some quality time with my husband and my dog, which I don't normally get to do. And um, and it was nice just being able to, I suppose, like try and get my ankle back right and, and whatnot. But now that um, I suppose we've spent another couple of weeks in lockdown, it gets a little bit hard. And Connor's family live like five, ten minutes away from us, and they've only actually just moved up in the last like four or five months. So it was difficult not being able to just go around and like have dinner with them or um, just actually be able to see them. So um, I, like at the moment, I'm craving a little bit of social interaction i live with two boys so it'll be nice to actually see <laughs> some girls oh god how are you surviving <laughs> it's pretty tough at times i'm like oh my god just take the dog for a walk and get out the house for some fresh air but yes yeah, the last couple of weeks have been a little bit more challenging the first five how good have dogs got it in the lockdown i mean they are they are they are winners in all of this aren't they our dogs are absolutely loving it people around all the time People wanting an excuse to take them for a walk. I know your your two have loved it as well, Perth. What flavour dog have you got, Sarah? Uh, we've got a Airedale Terrier. Um, he's a bit of a mix of a few dogs, but he yeah he's, he gets treated like royalty here anyway. And the last few weeks, he's um yeah I think he's living the dream. He's, I actually read an article about dogs going into um like a state of mental health when when the um, when the owners go back to work and I'm pretty sure that's going to be our one <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. looking forward to because you can see when he's not very happy oh, yeah. yeah it's it's so funny the dogs have more made at the moment in this situation and then I obviously I posted on one of your pictures you were doing yoga and Booker was with you and then, um, so what other like new things have you picked up or started to do during this lockdown series? Lots of people trying to do new stuff and pick up a new skill. I'm failing miserably at juggling. Um, but yeah, have you, have you tried anything new? I haven't tried any of your challenges. Um, but that's oh, what you're asking, Beth. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get there one day. Um, but come on, I mean, yeah, your, like, your, your credit of what you've achieved is so long. You could, you should have juggling on there. You should have. Been out to knock a bottle lid off with a rugby ball. I, mean, I, actually, I don't know about that one, um, but I definitely actually have done some juggling. I follow a um, like a mobility program, knees over toes, and I've been doing that for the last like, five months to try and help my body out. And um, and I actually do that a little bit. Um, Keegan Smith, from who's on a different kind of program, but he follows the same kind of setup. He does a lot of juggling, so been trying to do that. A couple of handstands, just nothing like I'll ever post on social media or anything. So not oh. very good, but but it's just something to vulnerability. Challenge put yourself stuff, out you know? there. <laughs> yeah, that's why we put him a running because holy heck! I saw that's good numbers. That's <laughs> oh, tough. I, I'm struggling at the moment, and I'm struggling that my husband's beating me. He's never. He never beats me at running. Like when I first met him, he hated running longer than 100 meters, and now I'm like struggling to keep up with him and Booker. So I'm not enjoying it at the moment, but I'll get back there and start pushing through. Yeah, but you just you just just come back from a, from an injury. Surely you can just play that card, can't you? No, I'm not fully fit yet. Ankle injury. <laughs> Yeah, I say that, and he's like, "Oh yeah, whatever." <laughs> We've got a slightly competitive household. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say. Um, what, what, what is there? What's there? One thing that um, you miss? Is, is there one thing you're going to 
go and do straight away when kind of some sort of normality hits. I, I know Sumo um, posted one, one, one place you're going to go and visit. And I saw a beautiful view of, um, was that there your, your parents' farm? Was that? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was at the back of my parents' farm. They built a, uh, well, it used to be a hut. It was supposedly my dad's hunting hut because they own um, about 5,000 acres um, in Wanganui, which is where I, not, we didn't grow up in Wanganui, but they um, have recently bought out, brought out there. So they, um, yeah, my parents own a farm and it's in the middle of nowhere. There's no cell phone reception. Um, and so right at the back, it takes like 30 minutes on a quad bike to get out to this hut. And recently my dad, um, actually then upgraded it. It's pretty much like a brand new house. Um, my family spent four weeks out of out there in lockdown. They carpeted it. They put big French um, open doors. There's a, a hot shower, like a flush toilet. It's it's actually pretty nice. So um, that will be one of the first places uh, me, me, Connor, and Booker will go. Um, I think when we're allowed to do regional driving, just because it's like it's nice and peaceful there's nothing really to do um but it's just yeah good to be able to get back home as well oh wow sounds Sounds like a holiday home yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah next time we're down (laughs) that way hideaway to get away from my mum i think (laughs) (laughs) i get a sense from from sort of seeing you from 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 afar and a bit of pieces and, and, and even that example there that um that sort of your heritage and your family is, is incredibly, incredibly important to you. Yeah, they are. They're like a massive um, reason why I do what I do, and and it's awesome. Like they, they're like massive supporters, but they're huge critics of mine as well. And it's been interesting over like my career how I suppose how much they've stepped back from giving me advice because I'm like, you actually don't know what you're talking about sometimes. <laughs> So, and, and earlier on in your career, you take all the advice from your parents that you want, and like a lot of the stuff that I've learned around like hard work and stuff is from them because of them being farmers and obviously us having to help on the farm when we were young. But now they're like, it's nice because they just, I've got grandkids, so they've relaxed a little bit. So they just sit back and actually enjoy watching watching the team. And um, sometimes if you lose, like, a, oh, Dad won't talk to me for a couple of weeks, but that's all right. It's <laughs> good job you don't lose that much, then, eh? Yeah, pretty much. I wouldn't be talking to him very often. Yeah. <laughs> Just I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Not not many weeks where you haven't spoken to him, then, obviously. But, that, but the, the sort of strong work ethic and and and, and that um, and that sort of team ethos, which again comes through very very strongly with you, is that again is that is that through the family? Obviously, the farm work is is that kind of. Uh, Dawn, dawn till dusk, three six five. Um, it, it, again, is that where the sort of roots of that comes from? Yeah, for me personally, like when I was a kid, we all I remember is working on the farm. That was something we did before school, after school, every weekend, holidays. Um, and like at, at times, I kind of resented my parents for it because I didn't want to be a farmer. I didn't want to like I didn't choose to, um, or I didn't want to have to do much like we had heaps of chores in the morning me and my sister before we'd go to school and um like sometimes you'd bike down to the end of the road jump on the bus and you didn't have shoes on and not that I cared about wearing shoes or anything back then but um they'd be like where's your shoes I'm like oh I was rushing because I forgot to do my jobs and I didn't want to get told off when your mum got home and um but like and then like every holidays but then you learnt so much skills around actually being able to work hard and 
as you got older, I had like I had so much skills, especially around um, like sheep shearing and stuff like that. That me and my sister actually paid our way through university. We didn't we didn't have to get a loan because we were able to. I suppose accumulate enough money over the summer uh, from doing the jobs that my parents had taught us and then um, we actually ended up like I brought my first house at 19 because of that so I'm actually like now I look back I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to have those skills that skill set to I suppose set myself up for now um, and but like it was tough to like you, you go back to school after a holiday and kids would be like oh where have you been and I'm like I've just been out in the back paddock at my at my house. Like we've been sharing all summer, like, and they're like, "What the hell do you get paid from?" Like, no, my dad always said that it was always good um, quality time that we spent together. So now, whenever he comes up to my house, I'm like, "Oh, I've got a list of jobs for you." So it's real good family time. <laughs> so I'm trying well, to get, get back get back at him now. So yeah, what 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 do they farm? Sheep, I, I'm guessing. Yeah, sheep and beef farm. Um, like my dad's just gone crazy and keeps buying land and getting more sheep as he gets older so um it's actually nice i live a little bit further away so i can't always go down and how far you'd be roped into doing anything and everything and, and who's he expecting be... to take this all over when uh when he might not be at an age where when, when he can't farm anymore Oh, I'd say my little brother well we've got a um a 23 year old little brother so he's uh, he actually got his diesel mechanic apprenticeship and then decided he didn't want to do that anymore. So he goes actually um, home quite often. And because my parents owned quite a bit of land that they were able to um, do deer hunting and pig hunting on. So my brother quite likes going back home. Um, yes, I'd say he'd be the one who wants to take it over. Me and my sister are not too keen on being farmers, to be honest. All the more <laughs> so living so far out of civilization. <laughs> Johnny, you need to add that she's a sheep shearer to that list now. Uh, honestly, achievements. I, I've gone through like an A4 of just achievements when I was doing my uh, my lazy journal research this morning. Um, no, what I wanted to pick up was uh, you obviously said that you paid for university through sort of doing the sheep shearing and what have you. Um, that was in in Maori studies, was it? Did I say it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a um, bachelor of arts in Maori and sports science, so. Like it was, to be honest, it took me, it's a three-year degree, it took me eight years, um, which is a long time. <laughs> oh, wow. And there were so many times I just actually didn't want to do it, but I, I was fortunate. Was that because of school, rugby? Went, yeah, yeah. And then Kate, we went full-time, so it just made it a little bit harder. So, But I was lucky, I, when I first started, I got to do the like first full year um, at Nessie and Palmy, so... I got to enjoy the lifestyle of university, which a lot of the athletes now don't get to do. So I was pretty fortunate. Got that year out of your system. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And the reason I kind of move into that is because, again, we, we talk about that that, that culture, um, doing a, sort of a university degree in about your own culture. Again, it must be a, a huge passion for you. Do, has that run throughout throughout your entire life? And, and how does it uh, affect your life as a, as a player and a person? Yeah, like, uh, we were brought up um, with not a lot of, like, Māori background. We didn't, I don't know, I still don't know, actually, a lot of my culture. Um, I don't know the language. Um, and that was just, like, my mum didn't, like, my mum's Māori, and she just didn't educate us a lot around our family and, and stuff like that. So 
I didn't really think a lot of it. It was it was just what it was. I um I didn't really bother too much about it until uh, when I went to uni. I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to learn a little bit about the Maori culture, so I thought oh, I'll just do a degree in it. Which I don't know. It sounds stupid now, um, <laughs> and it was quite crazy. Like I had to some of my papers were full of immersion Maori, so it got pretty tough when you don't actually know the language and you're reading um, a whole paper on and having to write essays. So I kind of scraped through um, getting that degree and like that's definitely something that I want to learn and I want to know more and I like being in this lockdown with, I've been talking to a lot of my um, older first cousins and that's something that we all want to do because we never got the chance to do it when we were kids. Our, uh, my parents, oh, my mum and my aunties didn't teach us a lot of the stuff which I don't know why they just never did so that's something that we're definitely going to um, do in the next few years is actually go back to our marae and learn everything we possibly can about um, like my whakapapa which is my uh, family line and um, even about our marae and stuff like that so um, it's definitely something that I want to do but obviously at the moment it's um, well not in this lockdown but when you're playing it's pretty difficult to be able to get home and do stuff like that. And does a lot of this cross over into the team as well? Because I see a lot of kind of posts about it. I think I think Ruby does like a word a day and stuff like that <laughs> and learning the language. Like how does how does that connection work? And I've seen you guys post about connection days and I'm guessing that is, is it all linked? Yeah, um, like we're, we're lucky that we're one of the most diverse teams, um, like diverse New Zealand Olympic teams, which we found out in 2016. So we, we knew that um, being able to draw on like our cultures in New Zealand is hugely important to us and that's something that we have um, that no other country has so obviously we've got the haka and um, we've got like waita which is Māori songs and then we've got Samoan songs and uh, like different kind of la- uh, prayers and languages so it was really important for our team uh, Blackburn Sevens team that we we utilised all different cultures in our programme because like what's the point in having them if you're not going to utilise them? And I think that's why our team's so special at the moment is because we we're able to connect on a deeper level. And there are a lot of people in our programme that don't know a lot about where they're from or, or about their culture, and that was a big part of actually like diving deeper into that and um, trying to learn about yourself first so then you can bring, I suppose, a better self to, to the team and the programme. Was that, a, was that a conscious thing then, or, or was it something you almost kind of stumbled upon that... Um, oh, we're getting to know each other. It's actually, therefore, that connection is better, and therefore, it's better on the field. Or was it conscious thing by by one of the coaches, one of the management? And if so, who who was driving that? Alan Bunting, our, uh, one of our head coaches, he's he's a big believer in um, having creating good relationships and having good connection. And he pretty much started our culture um, post twenty sixteen, and uh, he's he's definitely something someone who's who has created our culture and our team, and um, and like he's big on relationships and and having that um, relationship with all the players so like he, I, I reckon he's a big person to thank for that and now we've got girls like um, Ruby Toy, Teresa Fitzpatrick who then drive and add and um, even Portia Woodman obviously she's she's um, has a big background in her Māori culture so it's great that we've got these players to even keep um, adding to it and then hopefully it will carry on once all of us oldies have left. <laughs> you classing yourself as an oldie now. Um, I am an oldie in our group. 
I'm not old, but I am an oldie in our group. The old and wise. And with that, like, um, I, when I ever listen to your teammates or people that have worked with you, they only ever speak of you in such high regard um, around your kind of leadership and the skills that you bring and that you're the hardest working one in the team. I mean, the support uh, across the whole team just seems so genuine and there's a lot of love and trust in there. Like, what is your leadership style? How do you go about leading, you know, which, I mean, I'm plucking this out, Sky, but you must be the most successful sevens team there's ever been. I mean, how, how have you got from, you know, from right back in 2012 to where you are now with your leadership? Yeah, it's like it's been an interesting journey, and it's definitely um, had it has its extreme highs and and a lot of lows. And like I've loved being able to grow. Um, like I got named as captain. At, um, well, when I actually first got named in our in the it was New Zealand Women's Sevens team back then in uh, 2012, I was 19 and got named as vice captain. Like I think like that is crazy. Like, I hadn't even played games of sevens, really. Like, I played at high school and a couple of club games and maybe like a nationals. But, like, for me, being named as a leader, like, I was shocked. Um, and But once I talked to my parents about it, they're like, like, you have to go for it. It's something you can't turn down and you're just going to have to learn it. It's going to be hard. But, um, like, if you turn down an opportunity like that, like, you might not get that opportunity again. So... Um, having to, I suppose, adapt to leading older girls was hard. Um, and that's what I, I suppose I kind of struggled with at the start is like these girls have played way more rugby than me. They'd have a lot more experience, but yeah, having to try and, um, yeah, be, be a leader. And, and that's something that I've learned over the, the last few years. And I think something that really clicked for me, um, was actually post 2016 when, um, Alan Bunting said, look, I'm not going to tell you how to be a leader. I'm not going to tell you how to be the captain. I just really want you to try and find that yourself. And that is something I probably didn't do in my early years is I tried to be someone. I tried to um, like probably talk too much and direct too much, whereas now I just actually lead by my actions. I do what I do, what I normally do, is try and train hard um, and and be calm under pressure on the field. And, and so it was made it a little bit easier because... I was able to be myself, um, which is like I'll talk a lot on the field, work really hard, but off the field, like if I have to say something in a meeting, that's fine, but I don't tend to say a lot because that's just not who I am. And that's why um, it's great at the moment because we have such an amazing leadership group that um, the other five or six girls are able to do that um, and that, that we're able to utilise uh, the leadership styles of everyone else in our group to make it better. And I, I've noticed, like during halftime, like halftime chats, you have, you know, obviously you you talk as well, but like you see very animated Ruby Tui and Kelly Brazier. I mean, who's in that leadership group? And like I've been a part of leadership groups, and they're often made up of people with different strengths to kind of make a really really strong leadership group. So who's part of that, and kind of what do they bring to it? Yeah, so there's um, like you said, Ruby Tui, Kelly Brazier, Niall Williams, Portia Woodman. Tyler Nathan Wong and Teresa Fitzpatrick and like um like there is quite a lot of us but like you said we all have we all are completely different we've come from completely different backgrounds um and and also bring like a completely different skill set and I think that's what makes us so good is um we're able to 
like we have some pretty robust um, meetings and there's some arguments and whatnot. Some people are more quiet than others, but like every decision that we'll try and make is actually what's best for the team. So like, and that's what happens when you go out onto the field is like you said, um, and that has been the coolest thing around um, our leadership group is that the management have actually given us that responsibility to lead the team. And in sevens, you have 14 minutes to try and get it right. And that can be quite challenging at times. So they pretty much are like, look, once we get to game day, this is you guys. And if you guys can't make decisions, then we'll help you around it. But you guys actually have to make decisions under pressure on the field. And that's why we've got our game leaders. So um, Cows and Ty, they lead the attack, but like for me, I, those are the two people who I'll look at on the field to help me make decisions because I know they'll know exactly um, like the time of the game, um, I suppose the momentum of the game, um, the score, which is obviously quite important to know. Um, so if I, like if I can't make the decision myself and it's just a look at cows or tie and then they'll just give me the nod and we pretty much know what, what each other are thinking. So like it works. I'm really lucky that I've got players alongside me that are the best in the world in their position and will help make decisions um, for the team. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you both. I mean, you're, you're both World Cup winners. Um, four World Cups between you. We won't divvy them out, Berth. It's OK. Um, uh, but you're both leaders uh, and, and known for, for, for being leaders and, and that's part of your repertoire and part of your reputations. What one single thing then would you would you say makes makes a good captain, Sarah? Let's Who go wants to go first? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, for me, probably learning to utilise the girls that you have in your leadership program or your leadership group, um, and that's like I've been lucky. Obviously, got some of the best leaders in the world around side uh, alongside me and. Not it's not delegating for me. It's actually like utilizing their skill sets, and some players will connect with other players better than me. So it's actually maybe and Niall, you go and talk to them, or Cal's. You can lead the the, the talk on um like on on the field because I'm like you know what you're talking about more than what I do. So it's actually about knowing when to speak and then knowing when to use others to speak. I think that's probably that's the most important thing that I've learnt over the last few years. You, Beth? I, I literally was going to say the same thing. I think it's about knowing the people around you to get the best out of them, to then get the best out of the team. I think anybody that goes, tries to do anything on their own, it's a long, tough road, whereas you can connect and work with people and use their skill sets to utilise the best for the team, then you know, you're you're not you haven't got a job to do because you've done the initial work that then allows everybody else to bring their positives and their strengths and into that team environment to then allow the team to thrive. And that leadership was going going reasonably well, uh, Sarah, before the season was was cut short for four on the bounce in terms of tournament wins. Uh, Sydney, Hamilton, four, Cape Town, yeah, the girls, Dubai, and Dubai, yeah. Um, Frustrating then to, oh, I mean, oh, for, for obvious reasons and, and understandable reasons, but uh, frustrating then that the, the season came to an end. How how were you, you were finally, obviously quite nice because you're winning left, right and centre, um, but a few changes up in the in the tournament structure and what have you and uh, sort of coming together with the, with the men a little bit. Just give us a, your thoughts on, on how the season 
was going? Oh, it was going really well for us. We obviously didn't. We got third in um, in Colorado, which was a little bit disappointing for us, but it was like it, it was what it was. Um, and then being able to go, I suppose, back to back in Dubai, Cape Town, and then again in um, Hamilton, Sydney, it was like was massive for us because it's pretty tough to like sometimes if you win on the back end of the season, like Dubai, Cape Town. And then for us, we're, we're like well, we get summer break, so you have the Christmas New Year period. It's summer, or your mates are going out, so sometimes it's hard for them to come back. But we knew that um, us having Hamilton in January was going to be one of the most important tournaments for us of the year. Um, it's the first time we got to play at home uh, in front of a home crowd, and n- none of us, well, other than the Invitational tournament the year before, none of us had actually really experienced playing in front of um, like a home crowd so we actually made that one um, like a pinnacle event for us and we were able to like you like utilize um, our mental skills guy a lot more because being able to handle pressure when you play in front of your family is sometimes harder than when you play in front of a lot more people and uh, and that was that was a big thing for us Um, and I think that us winning that and then going back to back in Sydney um, coming off like a pretty intense week and at home was flowed like made our year flow quite nicely and I think we're we're gaining a lot of momentum and unfortunately we've obviously been fully shut down and things have changed dramatically for us but um, like now I kind of sit back and think how crazy um, another year and a bit can be for our program because of the experience that a lot of our girls have got over the last couple of years. You touched on it there. Just, just how special was was Hamilton? Uh, leading up to the tournament, I kind of didn't really think. Like I knew it was going to be big, and my fa- I've, I've played in front of my family a little bit, so for me it actually wasn't too bad. Um, for me, it was actually just about get staying on the field for longer than a few minutes, which is what happened the, um, the year before. So, like I, had, I suppose, different expectations of myself, but it actually wasn't until the final um, where I understood what playing in front of a home crowd meant. Um, like the sevens was packed and, and when you watch on TV, like people probably thought that it wasn't too packed. There was heaps of empty seats, but I don't know if you realise that there was a massive festival going on um, out the back of the stadium. Like they had that massive New Zealand acts, um, DJs. They had like, um, they got a kids, full on kids, um, like uh, rides and stuff like that. So people would come in and go out and come in. And obviously um, being at a sevens event, there's quite a lot of people wanting to drink too. So normally that was done outside the stadium. (laughs) But um, my husband was actually saying that before the semis, they brought one of the best crowd from outside in. So when we we didn't really... um, kind of grasp how full the stadium was until we came up for that final game and like that was nuts it's just like giving me goosebumps now and I'm not someone who uh, when I play like I'm pretty serious I don't tend to get involved with the crowd or, or whatever but during that game I was running up and down the sideline throwing my hands in the air like I was pumped and I was getting like so much energy from the crowd and that like reflecting on that I was like well that's what it means to play in front of a home crowd and I I reckon that the energy from that stadium like lifted us up so much more than what I've ever felt before 
Well, I was just going to say, you know, obviously with the temptation of 2021 World Cup being in the country, I mean, <laughs> hopefully we would have seen you being involved had the Olympics not been moved. I mean, has that come up with discussion with you guys? Like, obviously, there's a handful of you that do go across to 15s. Yeah, there was actually, um, I think, like 13 out of our 20 girls who put their hands up to actually um, was interested in playing in the 2021 World Cup next year. And obviously that was before all of this happened. So like that was like a, not a massive shock because I know a lot of the girls wanted to, but when you the 13 of the 20 girls in the sevens program put their hand up, it's, it's actually quite awesome. So um, there has been a little bit of a talk, like talk about it now, um, but I know there's some of us who still want to do both and selfishly that might not happen. But for me, I'm like, like if you get to play in Olympic Games and a Rugby World Cup in your home country in one year and you get the opportunity to, then I will 100% be putting my hand up for that. And and I know there's like a seven-week turnaround or whatnot, but I would hope that coming off an Olympic Games, you're in some of the best nick of your life. So, like, change, it is hard, I know that, but um, like, like I said, if I get that opportunity, I'm definitely going to be grabbing it both hands. Heard it here first. <laughs> no more yellow cards though, eh? Oh. <laughs> low blow, low blow. Oh, no. uh, they won it. I can give her a low blow on that game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's great. I'm just, I'm glad it didn't affect the game or else it might have been a different conversation. <laughs> I mean, it was a definite yellow, right? You agree with the rest? <laughs> So you're both referring to the yellow card in the uh, 2017 uh, World Cup final, which obviously didn't didn't uh, hinder New Zealand too too much because uh, Sarah's side beat Rachel's side on the on the, on the day. Um, sorry, Beth, you, you you carry on. I right? just fill in with the details. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm sure she didn't need to hear that. I'm sure she knows. <laughs> we spoke about it before you came on. It's fine. I've already ripped her. <laughs> <laughs> nah, like um, oh, it's so funny. I went through a lot of uh, things during that, like the period of obviously making the tackle, the play going on, and then the play stopping, and then it coming back to the call. Um, and at the moment, like at that time, well, I was thinking, oh, gosh, me, I put on a good hit. Um, normally, if we're in sevens, <laughs> like I'd get run around and the trial would be scored. So I was pretty stoked that. Um, like making a oh, front on tackle. There was also a penalty you gave away, wasn't it, where you made a tackle, popped up on the other side and just was like picking the ball up at the back of the right. <laughs> like you went in seven. <laughs> that was actually that. a planned move. Oh, right. That was a planned move. And I, we had practiced that so many times. And I was like, look, like, to our coach, like, I'm going to get penalised. He's like, nah, just do it. Just do it. So I like do it and then get penalised. And I can hear everyone like, you can't do that. I got begged about it on Twitter. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm just following what the coach tells me to do. I was like, oh, whatever. I've got a funny story with that yellow card, actually. So when, like, after the, the um, like, 2017-15 season, obviously went back to, back to sevens. And we went to Dubai to play and I was walking outside the um like in Dubai obviously they've got the makeshift um women's changing rooms and I was walking outside one of those to go over to the main stadium and um Joy actually was like oh Sarah can I talk to you and I was like oh yeah like when a ref wants to talk to you it's not normally good news so I was like oh yeah okay and then um 
she actually said, oh, I just really want to apologise for the yellow card in the final. And I was like, oh, wait, what? I was like, um, so she was like, oh, just like looking back, I think I made the wrong call and I just want to say, like, I'm sorry that I sent me off and like, I was, I don't know if I was more surprised that I knew it wasn't a yellow card, but, um, but then for a ref to actually come up and say that to you and, and like, I was grateful that it didn't affect the game um, too much, but like that's big and like to admit that you're not that you're wrong, but to admit that you made a mistake is is something that like I, I have a lot of respect for. So, like my respect for Joy grew so much um, from that game and or from from that conversation. And like we're actually like we talk a lot now on the World Series and and like I'm able to ask her a lot of the questions around calls and stuff like that. What they're looking at. So, like I'm actually really really grateful that she was able to come and say that to me and um yeah and it, it was like, pretty big from from a ref to be able to do that so and how you how, any yellow card since <laughs> probably <laughs> probably for the same thing too <laughs> i got a funny story with that yellow card actually so when like after the the um like 2017, a 15 season. Obviously, went back to back to sevens, and we went to Dubai to play. And I was walking outside the um, like in Dubai. Obviously, they've got the makeshift um, women's changing rooms, and I was walking outside one of those to go over to the main stadium. And um, Joy actually was like, "Oh, Sarah, can I talk to you?" And I was like, "Oh yeah." Like when a roof wants to talk to you, it's not normally good news. So I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." And then. Um, she actually said, oh, I just really want to apologise for the yellow card in the final. And I was like, oh, wait, what? I was like, um, so she was like, oh, just, like, looking back, I think I made the wrong call and I just want to say, like, I'm sorry that I sent me off and, like, I was, I don't know if I was more surprised that I knew it wasn't a yellow card, but, um, but then for a ref to actually come up and say that to you and, and like I was grateful that it didn't affect the game um, too much but like that's big and like to admit that you're not that you're wrong but to admit that you made a mistake is, is something that like I, I have a lot of respect for so like my respect for Joy grew so much um, from that game and or from, from that conversation and like we're actually like we talk a lot now on the World Series and and like I'm able to ask her a lot of the questions around calls and stuff like that, what they're looking at. So, like I'm actually really, really grateful that she was able to come and say that to me. And um, yeah, and it, it was like pretty big from from a ref to be able to do that. So, and how? Yeah, any yellow card since? <laughs> probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably for the same thing too. <laughs> Do you, do you think that's an important relationship, Sarah? I mean, I, my mind goes back to you know, talking talking New Zealand, whatever, the, this morning to uh, Ken Owens's um, catch in front of the ball in the in the third Lions test, and Sam Warburton, for some reason, manages to claim that um, Ken Owens is not the murderer, despite holding a, a, a bloodied dagger over a corpse, um, and that the. the they get away get away with drawing the series um, purely because of Sam Warburton's ability to, to communicate with the with the referee. Uh, how 
how important is it on the seventh circuit? Does that also does that differ between sevens and fifteens? Uh, like I'm not too sure about the fifteen side of it. Um, like in the fifteens environment, I'm kind of it's nice. I'm just a player and right, okay, yeah, of course, worry yeah. about myself. So, um, but in like in the sevens environment, I think it's I think it's really important whether you're playing fifteens or sevens or, or whatever sport you're playing to be able to have like a like a mutual respect that as a player you want to. Um, like do everything you can to make the game flow, and then same as like as what the ref wants as well. But to be able to have an understanding of how the ref makes their calls, what they look at, um, tendencies that they they tend to do, that's something that like I know me and a couple of the other players actually do. And you know if um, like a, a ref is 100% going to look at that at something, then if you're aware of it, then trying not to do that in a game is obviously really important in sevens because calls can determine um, games because obviously it's so short so like I always try and try and have a relationship with the refs that are on the circuit because I know how important um, they are to our game and um, and it's also like about having a relationship when you're off the field as well because there's so much times where you can keep going at them nagging at them but uh, those normal people as well then people that love sport like we do um so you, you can't you have to have that respect for them and what they do because like i know that i do not want to be a ref at all um because that job would be extremely tough do you have um, anybody that loses it who's the one in the team that can't can't handle it sometimes <laughs> gets a bit chopsy oh, like not on the series i'm not too bad now but like um Niall's probably someone. <laughs> I was thinking her. Genuinely, some of the calls she gets, and she just looks at the ref, and you're like, "Don't want to go to the bad side of Because she'll like, I think, like she knows the rules well enough. But there's some calls <laughs> where she like will look, and then she'll look at what like Neil Rubes, and we'll rather do the like, "Yeah, you're right," or "No, you're wrong." Shut the hell up and get back. <laughs> so like sometimes <laughs> if you're like, nah, "You're in the wrong shoes," like, oh, okay. And jumps back in so the she'll line, listen but... to you guys, but she'll question the rest. I like it. Yeah, definitely. Because obviously me and Ruby are a little bit nerdy, so try and know <laughs> uh, a lot more of the rules. But like, if you watch some of our trainings or trial games, or even like fun games at trainings, um, like there's a lot of us that go hell for lever at some of our coaches. There's actually some of our coaches refuse to rest our <laughs> fun games because. <laughs> they get abused <laughs> and then grudges Ultra. get held for a long time if they if they um make you lose so it's, it's been good fun when you when you have some games at training so who, who's the most competitive who like can't let go who holds on to the grudge the most who like gloats as well if they've won who's that player <laughs> i'm not gonna say one player because there's quite a few of us but <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> nice. in that bracket. humble yeah, I'm definitely in that bracket. But, like, <laughs> I think, like, the older girls are a lot more serious than the younger girls. Like, the younger girls are competitive, but the older girls will, like, stand their ground. Um, like, if anybody's cheated, it's not okay. Don't let it Yeah, slide. but if we're cheating, like, all good, just carry on. Yeah. <laughs> So it gets quite interesting if you play like not like like experience versus non-experience because yeah it's it's pretty funny and even if you say like um like 
me, Rubes, even like Ty. Um, Kels is competitive, but she's real quiet, so you can kind of just push her around. Um, <laughs> or you get like Rubes, and then even these like quiet ones who are real competitive and will get real serious, like ones like Shakira Baker. Um, and you know when people get angry because like they'll start like throwing things, or you get a shove in the back, and that's oh, great. <laughs> I love it. And then it's nice too because yeah. You can kind of you can do that, and then like as soon as you get off the field, it's like, all right, give me a hug, let's get over it. Done. Like you won or you lost, and then and that's it. So uh, yeah, our teams our teams are pretty competitive to be honest. Well, just to remind you, you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod with Johnny Hammond and Rachel Burford, and our very very special guest this week. New Zealand Seven star, World Cup winner in sevens and fifteens, uh, a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit, Commonwealth Games gold medalist as well, silver medal at the Rio. It uh, is Sarah Hirony. I was going to ask you like a couple of things about your teammates. Like, who who would you put down as like the funniest teammate? Who's Gail the person that's going to get? Oh, really? Yeah, Gail Broaden hands down. She. There's going to be some people who are like, maybe I'll be way more funny than her, but like, <laughs> they're all going to be arguing over that now. She doesn't try to be funny. Like, she's just so good. Um, we've got this program on Sky at the moment called Isolation Nation, and they're going into the players' homes, and you can send them videos and do stuff like that. Like, she created a video of how to grow grass, like, but made it her own, and it was so good. Like she, she's definitely one of the funniest, one of the most creative. She can sing, dance, pretty much do anything and everything. Um, but just yeah, just one liners is just so good, and sometimes pretty pretty quiet with them too, which is awesome. But like the nicest person as well. Oh, good which mix. Makes it so much harder. Yeah. You know they're going to be fighting over that. There's going to be a few in there that are not going to be happy with you saying. I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some flack for that, but that's all right. You, they can't disagree with Gail. We've done funniest person in the squad. Who would you not want to be stuck in a lift with? Who would you not want to be stuck Ooh. in isolation with? Or least. least. That's a tough question. Is yeah, it? Yeah, I don't, I don't actually know. It's, it's, um, it's a tight squad as well. She loves all her sisters. Like, at the moment, I'm like, man, I'll hang out with anyone. <laughs> 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 it's been a long time. I'm not used to seeing them all the time. All right, who would you be your top three to be in a lift with? Oh. Top three to be in a lift <laughs> Like, I can't go past a couple of my best mates, obviously, Kelly Brazier and Porsche Woodman. Um, like, those two, like, obviously, a couple of my best friends, bridesmaids at my wedding. So, like, those two would be probably the first pick, which hopefully they'd expect me to say their names. <laughs> <laughs> You're way and then down I was there probably list. like, well, you should say me too. <laughs> so I'll chuck an island there as well. <laughs> chuck her in that token. <laughs> that sounds right. She'll be jumping. She'll be getting her hand caught on the door trying to jump in there. <laughs> her way in. And what about, um, like, who's the mummy of the group? Who's looking out for everybody? Who's picking people up, looking out for, you know, if someone's feeling a bit down? Or I'm, I'm sure you all pick each other up, but there's always a couple of players that, always bit of the, the mummy of the group. Yeah, that's that's definitely Teresa Fitzpatrick. She's um for most of the young girls she's actually, they call her mum. Um 
she comes from a, like a big family. She's got six brothers and sisters, I think. So always been around a lot of people. So she's like one person that if like if you ever need anything, she's one person that will always help you out. Um, she's someone who can't say no. So like if yeah, if she's definitely the mum of our program, and that's why she's been recently brought into the leadership group just because she is she resonates so well with a lot of those young girls and is able to connect and have good relationships with them. So yes, yeah, it's, it's really cool having her um, yeah in the group as well. Oh, you just brought a tear to Johnny's eye there. It's beautiful. I <laughs> get a bit. Honestly, I, I think that I, I get I get fascinated because I think you know looking out and you, you two made the point just uh, just off camera there that um, it's different world being athletes, but it, but as a as a broadcaster and whatever you looking in, most of the people whether it be sevens or fifteens can get to a certain level physically, but actually it's that it's that mental bit not personally but also the combination of those the, those relationships which actually proves the difference nine times out of ten and I, that absolutely fascinates me and to to hear that there's a mummy of the squad and all the rest of it and they call her mum mm. yeah and she's brought into the squad i mean how how intelligent is that um yeah you know, I, I, those dynamics absolutely fascinate me so uh, it wasn't a fa- it wasn't a tear birth more of a fascination <laughs> you can cry it's all good yeah, never be, <laughs> never be afraid of your emotions. Never be afraid of your emotions. I don't have a problem. Sarah, if we if we may ask, and sort of just, just round up, although I hope your answer is really, really long. Um, speaking of emotions uh, and, and crying, what, what has been the one, or you can give us a couple if you like, but your, your kind of top events where they meant the most to you on, on a professional level, whether it be one of the three World Cups, the... The Commonwealth, the uh, the Order of Merit. What 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 ranks the highest? Yeah, sheep shearing. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I've got heaps. Of, like, um, yeah, we know. How big's your mountain? Yeah, no, like, I love winning. So that's what if we question put it differently? If you can go back and redo one of them, what would it be? One of them. Um, actually, I'm not. Uh, this one game that I'm not wearing the black jersey but there's one game I'd love to go back to and that was actually um the 2013 um national championship title with Manal 2 and like craziest like we we went to nationals first time that they'd ever had um nationals for women it was in Queenstown which is one of the most incredible places to visit in New Zealand down south um, the men's game, like the men's tournament, had been going for years. It was one of the like biggest comps that you went down to watch um, on TV, and we like I've played what, two tournaments for the Blacks and Sevens. We had um, Salika Winiata and then a bunch of um, like from Manawatu, which is pretty much an unheard of region in, in, in the rugby sense, especially on the women's side, and we. We went there with a coach who actually is now our um, one of our coaches in the Blackburn Sevens team, which has been quite crazy. And he he took us to like uh, yeah this tournament, and we were pretty much expected to come last or second to last. That was the expectation of our group. So like we knew we were, we were like we've actually got nothing to lose. But we worked like it was probably the hardest I've ever worked over a summer period. We trained pretty much every day uh we trained boxing day news eve new year's day 
just because we knew we weren't going to win. So we were like, we might as well try and at least win a couple of games. And went down there, won against Canterbury, which had like Ruby Tui, Kelly Brazier, um, and a couple of big names. And then started ticking off a couple of other teams and um, like bet. And then in the fight, or we bet Auckland, which had was like stacked of players um, Porsche, Woodman, Tyler, Fidiana Manuel. Um, players like that and then we went and played um, and which actually kicked Auckland out of the final which they were going down there to win like that was hands down their tournament so when that happened um, Waikato were obviously pretty stoked because it meant that we got to play them in the final and they were like I look back at some of the games or that game and they were absolutely stacked like Carla Hohepa, um, Honey Hedemir, um, Victoria Grant uh, Carla Hoihepa, uh, Chelsea Alley, like big, big name players who I'd looked up to all my life. So, and then and when we get into this game, we get up three tries to nil um, and then just run away with like the game that's played on Sky. Like there's 15,000 people at this small stadium and like, we bet a team that was, like, I suppose, completely supposed to smash us with a bunch of people, a bunch of nobodies pretty much, and that's what we were classed as. So that's what, and I reckon that's the one game or one tournament that, like, pushed a lot of our careers in the Manu too, and that's, um, like, we then went on to, I don't know, we think we've won, like, five out of the seven nationals now just because we created something and people wanted to carry on coming back and, and defend titles, so... If I was to go back to one game, it would be actually to play um, national nationals in Queenstown uh, with, with my one or two family. That would be one. Well, that's kind of cheating because that's six games. That's a whole tournament. <laughs> I'm going to make that one <laughs> final game. <laughs> but... Oh, no, that's amazing. That's so cool. It teaches you so many and shares so many like values about you could be the underdog, hard work will beat talent. All those kinds of things. That's what, amazing. Yeah, it's been huge. Like like I said, Stu Ross was... Oh, actually, Amy Cocaine was in our team. I wish she. Yeah, yes, yes. And Ian Cocaine was our... Um, I don't know. I can't remember if he was assistant coach. Yeah, or manager. No, I think he was assistant coach at that tournament. So I'm going to ask her about that. <laughs> we'll get her a recollection of it as well. Oh, yeah. Well, it was awesome. Can we can I can we ask? I mean, that what a wonderful story, and it's kind of you, you could do a, you could do a movie about that, couldn't you? It's that that kind of uh, that kind of uh, fairy tale ending. Um, what what about in a black jersey then? If we could, is there one that that stands out for you, Moscow or San Fran or Moscow? Ireland or, no, <laughs> not Moscow. Not Moscow. Yeah, I didn't think that'd be in the running. It was an interesting time. <laughs> interesting forward. Uh I'm gonna actually I'll probably say com games. Um for for a number of different reasons. Like the like we'd obviously um like to put it into perspective, the tournament before that, I think it was like six weeks before that, we got absolutely hammered by Australia and Sydney. And like for us to get hammered anyway is like uh, pretty disappointing, but to do it like for Aussie to do it in their home ground, like we were pretty heartbroken by that. So we knew we had six weeks to 
get ourselves right um, for com games, and and we knew that then we were going back to Australia to try. And we thought we'd be in content, into contention to try and make the final against them. So when we got to that point um, that we were playing them in the final, like it was then going to become like a pretty like big game. But the lead up to the Commonwealth Games final or the Commonwealth Games in general was like one of the, it was almost like lockdown that we are doing at the moment like one of our girls uh, you know Ruby got the mumps while we we're in Sunshine Coast on the build up to our tournament so we actually got isolated and weren't allowed out of our hotel rooms for like a few days and it was absolutely horrible like the weather's nice there we were walking distance to the beach um, so we weren't allowed to go anywhere but the training field to go and train so yeah, well, I was like, well, we can leave our place to go to the train, but we can't go into town. So <laughs> um, being segregated was pretty tough. And then there was talk that we actually weren't going to be allowed to compete at the games because if we, if some of us then had contracted the mumps, then we could have um, pushed it on to other people. So they were like, nah, um, everyone's getting tested. Um, people got their jabs done again. So it was just like a crazy time. And um, then they were like, no, you're not allowed in the village, which for all some girls who didn't get to go to Rio, they were like, like obviously one of the best parts about competing at some of those games is actually being in the village. Um, but then we were lucky, like we got to stay at this real nice apartment building right on Sunshine Coast, right next to the New Zealand house. Um, we got to, we took a chef over to our build-up camp and she, she's actually our chef in the mountain who cooks our lunches. She got to come with us to the apartments. And that's huge. And I don't know, um, Beth, if you remember playing like in the sevens and how hard it is to eat between games. Like you can't have meals um, coming home from from tournaments. Sometimes, especially at the village or, or at tournaments, the food's actually quite terrible. But having her there, I think, helped us then try and compete for a gold medal. And so fast forward, obviously, going into that game, um, a lot of stuff had been stacked against us. Things had happened. We In the warm-up, Tyler went down. She got taken to hospital. Um, Michaela Blyde's getting, I don't know, five stitches in her head. Um, and one of the girls who had played two minutes got called up to start the um, biggest game of her life. And so there was just so much going on. Like, we actually didn't even really warm up. Like, everyone's just kind of fluttering around, wondering <laughs> what the hell's going on. And then some one of the other management members is running to get our 13th player, who's actually had never played for us before. She had just come off. Oh, no, she was going to the Youth Olympics after um, the tournament. And she's, like, setting up the jerseys, had just been thrashed on the Watt bike, and then getting told that she's going to be stripping for a Commonwealth Games final. And she's like... What the hell? So we're walking over to the field like we normally do, and she's running back to go get her kit from the um, the thing, and we're like all cheering for her in the changing room. Anyway, everything like the game delayed. Um, obviously, um, great bit in a winning their medal uh, while we're in the changing room, and then which is awesome. And then you kind of get out, and we get up to a massive, well, not a massive lead, but you get up two tries and in sevens, that, that's pretty good. You're feeling pretty safe. Aussie come back, which I'm like, they shouldn't have, but anyway. And then Kelly Brazier does what Kelly Brazier does. But, like, I think that game, like, physically, I would probably wouldn't want to go back to, but it was just because of the build-up to that game, to that point in time, what made that win so much better. Um, and 
like even what the games are being replayed back on TV here, and I still get nervous. Um, I know the score, I know exactly what happens, but the, like just having to watch that game back, it just gives you goosebumps because of how important it was for us to want to want to win um, and want to beat Aussie at home which is pretty tough to do so it's such a brilliant story to like know the depths behind all of that it's almost like everything was stacked up against you but yet you still managed to, to come away and I remember watching it and that run from Kelly Brazier just unbelievable how she smokes everybody like through the smallest of steps is just unreal um, and I bet she doesn't want to replay that that long run again <laughs> No, that must have been such a special moment for you. It's obviously on the back of 2016. And then, you know, Australia that whole weekend didn't concede one point, did they, in Sydney? It's like it was a big mission that they had. Um, And for then you to come back with all the odds against you. Wow. What an incredible story. And thanks for sharing that with us because that's, you know, hearing all those little inside bits, you know. What was the player's name again who start, who got her first cap? Yes, so um, I think she recently Liana Pody Lane. She at the time and didn't get a cap in that game, but um, she still got a gold medal. So like she got a lot of slack. <laughs> but then she went on and kept in the our youth Olympic team to a, to a gold medal and has now played uh, quite a few tournaments for us. So. Or just yeah, being on the start bench. of her career would have been um, it was pretty intense, I reckon. Yeah, to be on the bench, knowing that you could go on at any point. What experience for her to take away? But I'm sure you lot would have given her a lot of support um, and given her a lot of confidence that she could have filled any spot if needed at any time. Yeah, and that, like even Tanika Willison had to had to fill in um, for Tyler and Nathan Wong and. Having those two young girls um, have that experience then and then to see them now is like it's huge and um, I think that's like the the coolest thing and one of the best things about our team at the moment is the the experience in our group have all played uh, big games have had to um, make big pressure I suppose decisions and uh, yeah it makes makes life a little bit well life for us uh, easier to play but pretty tough when, they're trying to, when the coaches are trying to save the team yeah absolutely um, so can I end on one, one last question yeah all good I've had a coffee I'm all good now oh yeah I tried to get one in the break and it didn't my machine didn't work anyway um, oh that's it we can, we can talk to you for hours now you've got a coffee on the go um, uh, if you had a magic wand um, and you could change some things about sevens and whatever you wanted to change about it. What 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 would you what would you like to change? What what do you think needs to change? Um, I've enjoyed like I've enjoyed the changes of playing alongside um, a lot more tournaments alongside the men. I think that's been a massive growth for us. Playing eight tournaments now um, is huge, but I still feel that sevens is lacking. Um, like. I suppose it, it almost needs its own kind of entity because it needs to be it needs to branch off a little bit. It needs to be pushed a lot more. So the fan engagement's huge. Um, each tournament becomes, well, I feel, it needs to be all sold out, um, and it needs to keep growing that way. Like I feel like it has grown a lot since 2012, but I don't think to the speed it needs to change it. Make it a game that 
like everyone wants to, to wants to go and watch if that makes sense. I, I, I would agree. I think there's there's plus and minuses to, to being with the men, isn't there? Um although I think it's kind of possibly papering over sort of cracks slightly that you you actually want to sell the women's series by itself and then possibly just dipping it out for a, for a couple but actually it's got to take some brave people to go do you know we're going to sponsor this or if you sponsor the men you've got to sponsor the women as well um or just somewhere actually with a bit of morale to say do you know what this isn't fair and actually financially we might lose but but morally we, we win and actually we've got to as you say push that as hard as you can around the world because it just just doesn't seem that that's the case at the moment Sarah, it's been uh, it's been really, really lovely to talk to you. Really lovely to talk to you. And it, it, I've got a, so many questions that, as ever, every week we say this, we, we've not got into. Um, but it's just been absolutely delightful to, to meander along a chat with you. Um, perhaps in a few months' time, possibly leading up to Olympics or World Cup, whatever, that we we, we might uh, might grab you again for for a chat. But uh, yeah, a huge, huge thank you. From me, from from you, Berth, as well, no doubt. Yeah, no, it was really nice. Thank you for sharing. You know, I know a lot of that stuff's quite personal, um, but thank you for sharing it for us and our listeners. You know, I appreciate like being on the on the pod and that you guys actually run a women's rugby pod. It's it's massive for our game, so appreciate it a lot. I'm Sarah Hunter, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Berth, oh. I mean that was it was a treat wasn't it a, re- a real treat um, thank you so much to, to Sarah and uh, NZRFU for uh, for allowing Sarah to to come on um, really really special person I just and you know don't you from reading bits and pieces and, and seeing stuff and and the, the chat amongst broadcasters or whatever being in this rugby world but I'm just breathtakingly humble yeah, I mean, like, it's right from the start when we, you know, kind of said the outline of where this was going to go and we said, is there any way you don't want to go? She's like, no, I'm really open and honest. I've got nothing to hide. Um, and just kind of setting that scene straight away, just really humble, you know, not shouting about her achievements, just talking about, you know, I mean, the fact that we say to her, you know, what one moment could you go back to? And she goes all the way back to 2013, exactly. playing in a club local shirt where you know all it meant was playing for each other playing hard you know for somebody to go back after it you know you keep telling me all the gold medals that she's got um to go back to that moment just kind of sums up what type of person and individual she is and huge respect for her and yeah loved having her on the pod and and could have listened to stories about herself and her family and and the team all day long really yeah absolutely I mean it would be I expect from a, from a Red Roses point of view, if you if you pop that that cap on uh, for a moment, birth over the over the pineapple, um, you, you probably don't want her to be involved in fifteens World Cup or even the sevens uh, Olympics because she's she's that kind of quality and can cross over so easily. Such as her talent. Yeah, she could do. I mean, she is a fantastic player on the pitch. She works extremely hard. Um, and she's always doing the unexpected stuff. She does the dog work. So she is a player that could come out across quite easily. She's already done that, so she's got the experience in it. Um, but she's such a fierce competitor that actually you want her on the pitch against you because, you know, that's going to bring the best out of you as well as an individual. So no, I feel, I hope for the women's game and for the women's sake that, that teams do find ways to involve 
the best players to play in the best competitions because then we're going to get you know a great opportunity to have the best World Cup and the best Olympics because the best players are there playing. Yeah, thousand thousand percent. Uh, that was going to be my, my point as a rugby fan. You hope she's playing in Olympics and World Cups and whatever till till the cows come home. Uh, but yeah, a, a real treat. Lovely, lovely to to have Sarah. On the pod and her, yeah, humble beginnings uh, down in Fielding, down uh, in Palmerston Northway, isn't it? Yeah, where she, she grew up. Uh, anyway, uh, there is a smattering of, uh, of news, Berth, for us. Sale continued to uh, to head up that news. Not only signed, uh, of course, Katie Dana McLean, the World Cup winning captain, who we spoke to, yeah, literally days after she made that signings. Everyone else is interviewing her now. Um, uh, but they've, they've made another signing, haven't they? Uh, young Welsh prop, Molly yeah, Kelly. Yeah, they've signed Molly Kelly. We, we've spoken about South Sales Sharks have gone about their business. They, they have a real intent to grow a women's team there. And where do you start? You start by building a pack. Um, yes, she's 20. Yes, she's young. But, you know, they're not going to... Let's be honest. In the first year of playing in Tyrrells, are they going to run away and win it? Unlikely, but what they're going to do is try and build a platform and a team for years to come. And it starts by bringing in some young um, youth and talent and then bringing in some experience with the likes of Katie Davidson who can orchestrate and work with the younger group. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a real sign of intention for me. You're not, you're not signing a, someone just to, to hold things together. You know, Rocky Clark or Laura Keats or a uh, Karis Thomas or, or, or someone like that. It's a youngster looking looking to the future. Yeah, it was a, a real sign of a, intent for me. Uh, obviously, some movements at, at World Rugby. Um, Big Bill back in uh, back in the driving seat. Augustin Pichot not uh, not successful this time in his uh, quest to be Ming the Merciless. But the new World Rugby Executive Committee was announced. Um, Obviously, some reaction around the women's game. Ali Donnelly from Scone Queen said they were they're more Brett's than women. Yeah, two, two two chaps named Brett, and only one woman on the committee. Thoughts, please, Rachel Burford. Yeah, I think you know. Firstly, like we should congratulate Bill Beaumont on his re-election um, into chairman. And I think you know, looking at the executive committee, you could definitely um, you know be disappointed that there's only one woman on on the on the board, but. This doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to stay like that. I think if you look at previously with the council, how Bill Beaumont and Gus Pichon was also part of that and Katie Sadley about getting more women on that through different chains. Now, I think if World Rugby is serious about women's rugby, which I believe they are, then they would look into that if we feel that this is a strong place where we need to have more representation of women. Um It'll be definitely something that I think will be pushed and up for discussion. Angela Ruggiero, the uh, the lady who's who's on that council, the uh, she's Olympian, four time Olympian, Olympic gold medalist, an ice hockey hall of famer, and yes, it's certainly movement in the right direction. I, I guess it's that question, isn't it, that uh, we continue to to ask. And Sarah uh, spoke about it, touched on it in terms of the sevens. Is we know we're going in the right direction? Are we? Are we are we using a horse and cart when we should should be in a car? Yeah, well, I think you have to look at some of World Rugby statements, and they're all about accelerating women's rugby. So maybe that poses the question: that is this accelerating it enough from a leadership and governance point of view? 
Yeah, is it is it representative? Um, but uh, yes, we will wait and see. Um, well, the proofs in the pudding, isn't it? Whether the the words are are just that. Um, let's finish birth then on a on a on a few shout outs. Barnes RFC. How well did they do over the weekend? One million kilograms they lifted for the NHS charities and also honouring one of their great clubmen, Gary Garrett. Um, huge congratulations to, to Barnes RFC and everyone else um, who contributed. Yeah, it's such a, a remarkable um, event to put on. And just the, I think what it shows about the rugby community is the amount of people that got involved in this. It was all over social media, all from men's, from women's, from grassroots to, to senior teams. Um, I got involved. Um, you know, it's not hard to kind of lift something around your house if you've got weights or you haven't got weights. So how many kgs did you lift? Constantly all day. <laughs> your body weight? Yeah. <laughs> was, that, was that not no, count? No. But we also had... Um, the, the weight of my head, Berth, well. I tell you, the weight of my head. <laughs> Honestly. Well, no, it should be lighter now about all that hair. No, it's not what's on the outside, Berth, is it? It's what's in the inside of the head. And, you know, it was amazing. Uh, they weren't the only people doing great stuff over the weekend. No, so the Army and Navy women were, were due, or it was Army-Navy weekend. Yeah. We all know what a spectacle that is and how um, enjoyable it is. Um, but the women were actually going to get the opportunity to play there. Um, which would have been the first time they normally play in the back pitches or at a different venue. So it was going to be a huge historic moment for them. So crazy as an idea as this is, they then decided that between them they would do 82,000 burpees. Um, and that's to represent 82,000 people sitting in Twickenham. Um, and, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. Um, Ex-England player Jane Leonard pledged to do 4,000 it took her over 12 and a half hours. Um, it's just unbelievable. A couple of the Quinns girls who also play, they did 2,000 each. Uh, one of the girls did 3,000. It was just like, I can't even, like, I did 60 in one of my workouts this week, last week, and was like, that would kill me, let alone hundreds, then 1,000, then another 1,000. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, big uh, big kudos to uh, to both parts, RFC and the uh, Army and Navy women and, and the services raising some really great money. Old Albanians, uh, Rocky Clark's team, we must give them a little shout-out for promoting staying in touch. Nice skills from uh, from the rock star as well, do you see? I taught her everything. Right. That's all you need to know. <laughs> and, of course, Rocky was uh, one, of our, one of our first on our, our little mini lockdown series, wasn't she, doing her... Her all-time England fifteen. It's uh, it's very interesting. Pretty pretty dubious selection at twelve, but uh, anyway, <laughs> pressured into it. <laughs> Do uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, she taught me everything I know. I must put her in. <laughs> uh, other shout out must be to Julie Julie Jules or Half Point Lil Jules Mum of Five on Twitter. Did a head shave and raised over a thousand pounds. So uh, big shout out to her. You must have been the inspiration for her, Johnny. I think she was she was before me, but look, I, I just there's a there's a lot of negativity uh, around, isn't there? And there's a lot a lot going on in the world, and, and there's a lot of uncertainty. But I do think one of the silver linings to to, to come out of this pandemic is is actually realization of what's what's important, and, and it, it, it's about people, and it's about 
realizing that um, whatever your little team, whether it be the people in your four walls or the people in your country or your rugby team or the world, we're, we're in it together and actually a little bit more kindness and, and communication and, and cooperation between each other can can only be a good thing. And I, I, I genuinely hope that uh, that is one of the, the work-ons that, that we get from this pandemic. Anyway, I should pop down off my high horse now. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a rugby pod. I thought it was a rugby pod. <laughs> Philosophy with Berth and Johnny. Anyway, I tell you what, we were doing some, some virtual bits and pieces. Swansea RFC women did a virtual cup final against uh, West Swansea Hawks ladies uh, and won. It was really, really great content. Uh, Sharon Lily Crap does, does some commentary and my view, some team talks and stuff. Really funny stuff. So so do check that out on uh, on the social medias. Uh, our mini-series, as we've spoken about, Berth continues. Who... Uh, who have we got on this? It's coming out Sunday mornings now. Just changed it up. Just coming out Sunday mornings, half past nine. Who's on our on our all time fifteen series this weekend? Well, we're delighted to have centre Lynn Campwell sharing us um, her all time fifteens. Played against and with Lynn, um, top top girl, and really knows um, her rugby. So I'm really excited to see who she's putting her fifteen. Yeah, having having done that done that already, that's in the can. I mean, spreadsheets were going on, balance of teams. <laughs> who are we playing against, Johnny? I need to have the balance of my midfield right and all that. Yeah, no, she gives it uh, the thought that she gives absolutely everything. But look, that's uh, that's about it uh, from us this week. Please continue to share. Please continue to to rate us. Tell everyone what uh, what we're doing. Even during this lockdown period, we we. we we're coming at you with, with two pods a week. So, uh, yes, continue your support. Uh, next week, a bit of a surprise for you next week. I'm not going to tell you who's on, but, uh, yeah, a bit of a surprise for next week. And until till then, keep communicating, stay well, and be safe. Until next time.